Hey guys, we have a special bonus epilogue of the Brave New World series. It's going to be cool. We're going to be talking about the future of the church in that Brave New World, uh, how it may deconstruct and be reconstructed and all the things that go with that. So grab a coffee, sit back, and enjoy. You're listening to the All Out War Podcast. Well, hello, All Out Warriors. <laughs> this is another episode of All Out War. You're at the outpost of politics, culture, and theology. I'm Turner, and I'm joined by Rosie. What's up, Rosie? Hey, what's up, man? How you doing today? I'm doing well. Yeah? How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Awesome, man. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so uh, did you know, this isn't as crazy, but it was still crazy in a different kind of way to me. Did you know that 8 million horses died in World War One, <laughs> Like, on the battlefields and everything? Oh, wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. 8 million horses yeah. You know, World War One. what were the time frames of that? Was that... Uh, like 1914... Yeah, I thought it was like 1911 to 1920 or something like that. 1917? Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Uh, 1914, 1918. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, that's, you know, horses, I guess, would have been a pretty big... Yeah, they used them as like transport and everything, all everywhere. That's, yeah. That's crazy. I had a... Um, my great-grandmother, she was born in 1900. Mm-hmm. And she died at 87 years old, 80, no, I'm sorry, 81 years old. And she was married four times. One of her husbands died from a horse when it kicked him in the <laughs> chest <laughs> when he was changing a horseshoe. And just immediately died? I don't, I don't know the details. I just know he was die. He, he was killed by a horse when it, when it kicked him in the chest yeah. from a horse. I, I remember reading this statistic when they were talking about airplane crashes that, more people die every year getting kicked by donkeys than they do in plane crashes. <laughs> that's that's a hilarious stat. Yeah. I don't know. Are donkeys pretty kicky? Yeah, yeah. Kicky, They're very stubborn and they kick. Kicky little donkeys. In the same th- yeah, I remember it wasn't horses, it was donkeys. And you know there's a difference between a donkey and a mule. Yeah, one of them can't reproduce. That's the mule. Right. Because it's like a horse and donkey mixed or right. something yeah, like that. Yeah. It's weird. All that. They get made fun of and no one likes them. Animal husbandry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, dude. That's like, yeah. Yeah, right? Yeah. So, oh, man. Cool. Dude. So, today's episode. Yeah. We have a very, it's a, this is a kind of a spur of the moment, but it was like you and I were just texting about it earlier in the week. And it was actually your idea, which I think is a great idea. Well, thank you. And I, <laughs> hope, I hope it's a great one, too. <laughs> I think it's going to be kind of fun to talk about. So we we technically finished our Brave New World series. So we're not complete liars. Right. But <laughs> this is like an epilogue right. sort of Yeah. So it's a we'll call it a bonus a, this is a bonus podcast yeah. for the Brave New World series. Yeah. And it kind of stemmed out of some thoughts that you had thinking about that um that's the the series that we had done and you you posed the question to me like well what we didn't really talk about the church. What do you think the church is going to be like in the future that yeah. way? And unbeknownst to you, I have been actually thinking about that quite a bit. Um, yeah. It's been something that um, that I've been actually, I'm actually having, I'm reading a book right now about it. And it's something that I have been just, uh, it's been on my mind a lot over the past probably three months. Right, right. So um, I was excited to, to talk about it. I didn't think anybody else would really be interested in it. Yeah. Well, part of me was because I'm a conspiracy theorist and like, 
seeing all this stuff and just like, I don't know, I, thinking, see, trying to think beyond um, all this stuff. Well, anyway, because, you know, the, a lot about the Brave New World and why I felt like it kind of is a good closure or it probably isn't a lot of closure or it's not like <laughs> a, a happy thing. Maybe it is, but because yeah. um, we're talking about the future a lot. And so it's probably important to, I don't know, go down some roads and see what could happen. And hopefully, not that we're speaking prophecy or anything <laughs> prophetic, right. but you and, know, it, we can just look at it, like the writing on the wall and the way that things are happening. And, uh, yeah, and I, don't, good. I, I don't, I definitely want to make a disclaimer too, that we're not, this isn't an eschatology podcast right now. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, we're not talking. We're not going to be uh, talking about end times, like what we think, how think we think things will play out from from a biblical standpoint in the Book of Revelation and Daniel and Ezekiel and all that stuff. That'll be another time. Maybe we'll do that. But but this this one is more of like um, it. And from my from my standpoint, it's how the church relates to those things that could happen in the future and that are that we're kind of pointed towards, and they're actually happening in a yeah. lot of ways. Um, and so that's what that's what this is going to be about. And it should probably put a di- another disclaimer, which is, um, I guess, interesting to say that we have to kind of frame it this way. But we're usually when when you and I are talking, we're probably going to be referring mostly to the church here in America. Yeah. So we're not talking yeah. about. Well, <laughs> I guess we'll get into why it, we're not specifically talking about you know other churches well, you know the not the global you know when we say church you know the whole thing because it's quite different yeah here in america versus egypt or yeah and other places we have you know as i said that on the last podcast we have you know listeners from 38 nations right yeah so we're not trying to so this is kind of angled from the american evangelical church yeah from that kind of that which is a majority of our listening audience yeah i've um, i've I've been to church when we lived overseas, but I don't really, you know, I, yeah, I don't know, what, yeah. you know, what it's like. So, let me just start. I want to read a verse out yeah, of because yeah, yeah, I'm going to start with this verse because it, it, I kind of have to set it up with this verse. So, um, John chapter 16, Jesus is speaking to his disciples. He says, "He says, uh, you believe me at last." He's excited, and he says, "But the time is coming and has come when you will be scattered." each to his own home, you will leave me all alone, yet I am not alone, I am, for my Father is with me. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Hmm. So Jesus is making a couple big statements in that verse, and one of them in particular was to his disciples, that he was kind of pointing to the fact and alluding to the fact that the world's going to get rough, but take heart, he's overcome the world. Mm-hmm. And, you know, obviously we know that uh, pretty quickly after, you know, Jesus dies and ascends up into heaven, the church starts to experience some persecution. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, and so what's developed after 2,000 years of the birth of the church in connection with, it's it's endured persecutions, it's endured you know denominational splits all kinds of (laughs) that's right splits and everything else um alan hirsch who's a a guy that an author christian author and all and he's a kind of like a 
a church futurist, if you will. I don't, <laughs> I don't know how to put it. He doesn't want to claim the title of, of a prophet. Um, he just thinks that's it's a little bit pretentious. Yeah. But he speaks so um, so clearly about the future in in certain ways that it's like undeniable. But he, I just I got to um, sit in with him on a series in uh, down at Liberty University back uh, a few months ago. And uh, it was like a small group thing we were in. And um, he basically said that at 100 AD, so I think it's probably 60 years after the resurrection mm-hmm. uh, or so around there, 70 years after the resurrection, says the church was only about 25,000 people, the entire church, the right. Christians. There's about 25,000 known Christians at, at 100 AD. By the time you get to 300 AD, it had exploded to over 20 million <laughs> worldwide. Now you have to you that for some of us are like oh that's not a whole lot when you think over a couple hundred years yeah too yeah but you have to um, you have to understand a couple really important things that and I'm setting this up for a reason <laughs> okay so all of this has a purpose uh, so they were endured massive persecution so it wasn't a desirable thing to but by governments by go- right by yeah. the, by the Roman governor in particular so it wasn't like it was a um, it wasn't a super trendy thing that you want to tell <laughs> everyone about. Thing. Yeah. It wasn't safe. even a safe thing. And if you were a Jew, it was even worse because not only could you risk persecution from the government, but then all, your family would reject you because Jesus was, you know, this heretic in their, in the Jews minds. And then you had the Judaizers as well. And they were trying to come in and corrupt Christianity. But so you had all these things coming against it for hundreds of years from the start yeah from the beginning literally from the beginning yeah i mean you get into acts the book of acts and stephen it's pretty quick in like chapter seven he's stoned you know so you're it's like pretty quickly within the first couple years you know you're starting to see people thrown in jail that kind of stuff so to go from twenty five thousand to 20 million in so um so all of those things together um, combined with, sorry, my Alexa just went off in another room and I could hear it. They probably can't hear it on the podcast, but I heard it. Yeah, that was really loud. Maybe Super loud. that's uh, someone just heard something that they didn't like. And so they're <laughs> making, trying to you see, and your catch your conspiracy vibe. Yeah, yeah. That's what you get for letting the NSA in your house. I know, right? All right. I, so, so I have, to, well, that's what they're going to get is Bible. Yeah. But, uh, so anyways, uh, so persecution was would hinder the growth, but then the other thing would be just the mere fact that there was it's it's an ancient world. Right. They didn't have Alexa. They didn't have texting. They didn't have digital services and email and the internet. They didn't even have the printing press. Right. Right. Yeah. So like uh, these are handwritten copies that they're or just by just by oral verbal, yeah you know yeah. oral tradition they would speak you know share and stuff. So that really prohibits the growth. So the the fact that it grew. And the last point about it is that it wasn't an institution. Right. The church wasn't an institution. It is an institution right now. And it wasn't an institution back then. It was a movement. And and so the reason I'm setting all of that up. Maybe maybe go ahead and just say what you mean by it's not an institution versus how it is today. It is an institution now. Right, right, right. right. So, yeah. So I think what I mean by that is we have the established church. Like, like you have... Every town in America, like I'll use America as an, yeah, every yeah. town, every every town has at least three or four churches around it. A yeah, Catholic they all church, have their, ca- yeah, they're Catholic. The, the or, Baptist or whatever. And so when I say institutionalized, I mean it's established. It's this it's this entity that actually has power. <laughs> it has influence and it has money. 
Yeah. And okay. so all of those things, it, it, the early church didn't have that. Right. You know, three, even 300 AD, we're talking, it's still pre really big time Catholic. It was starting to become Catholic in that sense, like where the Catholic church was kind of emerging out of this and mm-hmm. being institutionalized. But at the same time, it's pre all of that. So what caused the, gro- the growth, and it was a movement o- that was organic by God's spirit through people that genuinely just fell in love with Jesus and were living for him. Yeah. Which is what he wanted all along. Now, I set all of that up because what I think moving into the future is going to happen is we're talking about the future of the church. I don't think it's going to be great news (laughs) for the American church in particular, um, for us, as we look at the political climate, the cultural climate, um, and then the financial. And so we we can touch on all of those a little bit. Um, The financial is going to be the biggest to hit the church. Yeah. Because what's going to probably happen is the tax-exempt status we pulled from the churches and these nonprofit organizations that they are will will then have to pay taxes. It was granted to them as a, you know, to be tax-exempt because they were so charitable. Mm-hmm. It was sort of this like, hey, you're doing a good thing. You're actually, you're, what your people are doing is you're contributing to the welfare of your communities to the point where they don't have to depend on the government. So right. we'll give you a tax break, you know, and amongst other reasons. But typically that was it. Now... These churches aren't having any. I mean, gosh, I'm gonna have I'm gonna have to watch my <laughs> right, right. For the, our listeners, I've I've been in ministry for 14 years, and I've been exposed to a lot. I just have big, Got small insider. Yeah, and, and so this is just an observation. Yeah, my opinions are mine, and um, and so uh, I just I want to leave it there. But uh, and they're based a lot on my experience. But what I was going to say is that I've I witnessed massive organizations, massive churches, if you will, mega churches, with if they were if they were removed from their communities, they would be they would not be a blip on the community. Because basically those people, if they were gone like if it just like a, a UFO, giant UFO came down, sucked it up, all the people they're gone in one Sunday, right? Thousands of people, it wouldn't affect the community other than the the economic of those lost jobs or whatever. <laughs> right, right. But they just weren't. They're not having an impact on their community to the point of where people are depending on them to exist. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So economically, they have all of the opportunities to do that, but they don't because what they do is they've turned inward and they build bigger structures so that they can have more comfortable seating and better lighting and more theater style and more equipment and more stuff. Yeah. So uh, what I'm going to... Uh, anyway, go ahead. I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll, I want you to talk because I'm going to recollect my thoughts okay. here. Yeah. I, what I was going to say is it's really getting... I don't know. I think it was best posed. I don't know if we talked about this before or not, but um, what I was thinking about that stuff, a couple points... One, this question, or this, you'll hear, I guess, to use the term meme, uh, that's how it's spread. Um, we always did a podcast about the memes. <laughs> if you don't understand what a meme is, go back and listen to it. Episode but, two. Yeah. Um, but meme in the purest sense of an idea that's getting spread of uh, that Jesus was a socialist. And one of the biggest mm-hmm. things was, oh, you know, uh, give your cloak to another or, you know, all this stuff that Jesus actually did say. And they, they say, oh, that's the proof that he's a socialist. Yeah. Yeah. And the big distinction for me 
is that those are individual mandates. That's to the to the individual person within the church or to the church itself. And I guess going back into the history a little bit, um, like, you know, when, when you're talking about getting tax-exempt status, mm-hmm. um, I mean, that's how, as a small government constitutionalist, you know, how I would always say, you know, when they say, oh, you know, I'll say get rid of, you know, something, um, I don't know, something, something that someone's like, oh, this is a, a right or we need we need a government overseeing this yeah, or we need this or we need that or whatever it is. And they're just trying to add more government, <laughs> basically. Yeah. Um, like the argument is as a small, a truly small government person would say, well, no, we want to govern from the small reaching up. Right. So you want to start at your community, you know, first you start at your house, everything there. Then you help your neighbors on your street or your cul-de-sac, then your neighborhood, then your uh, county that you live or, you know, the neighborhood within, uh, you know, your subdivision. Right. And then you have, you know, your homeowners association. Then it goes to the county. Then it goes to the regional or state. Right. Then right that's how yeah. it should be done. And as a, a small little segue... I'll say this is why it's so important for people, even if you don't care about the president and you don't think your co- your vote matters or anything like that, um, that's where you should always, always, always vote. You can just, leave, if people didn't know this, you can leave um, <laughs> when you go to vote. You don't have to vote for in everything. All the categories, you know, they have yeah, like you can leave president, blank. you can yeah. leave it blank. So you can vote, you can go and vote for your local uh, for your governor or your city council person and not have to vote for other things. You can just leave them blank. So yeah. always vote because especially in those local elections where there are uh, referendums on uh, raising yeah. tax money or all yeah. this stuff yeah, like we that. We want to build a firehouse over in zone four. Of right, right. Whatever. County or whatever. Yeah, whatever it is. Um, that's the stuff that actually affects you. And people just poo-poo it oh what what does it matter who the sheriff is or whoever blah 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 anyway that's a that's a whole other tangent but going back to that small government the thing would you would say oh well okay so we want it to be not ruled by one person but the community helping out each other Mm -hmm. right when you think back to the founding that's how it was you know what they had these colonies and they all helped out each other and that's like the revolutionary war the uh, the civil war moreover um People fought, you know, in Virginia, even though this is going to get me some hate, maybe. But there was good, you know, when each state fought, they had their own military, you know. So when people fought in the Civil War, they thought, I'm fighting for my country. You know, Virginia is my country because I'm from Virginia. Why do I care about what they're doing in New York or whatever? Right. You know, I'm fight- It's right, not, yeah. we're not unit. Yeah. They're not unity. That's why we're so, called United States. Right, yeah. Individual states And that's that why there's united. some states that are commonwealths, and then Texas right, is a republic, right. and you get all this other stuff. But anyways, sorry, I keep huh. doing all these tangents that I think are important. But um, So anyways, if you don't have a government stepping in, what happened, what it used to be, was you'd go to your church, because everyone that lived around that your neighborhood would typically be, that's why now we have these outposts that are, you know, Orthodox Jewish communities that have their own neighborhoods, or there's a Catholic community, more or less, you know, like a neighborhood that's predominantly 
Catholic and they all go to the, mm-hmm. the this church or, or whatever. Sikhs or, or Muslims whatever it is. or whatever. Yeah, you, you, you know when you immigrate here, you kind of live with your people. Yeah, you find your and people. back. You know, in the old days, it was oh, I'm Anglican. I'm coming. You know, whatever. I'm going to live with the other Anglicans. We all go to the same church. Yeah, and we all help each other out. And that's how it was. It was this community right. of so so to go back to it. That's you know when you look at what the church was is supposed to do, and what you meant by if the church was gone, like you would hope, and that's the point of a small a small government person would say, well, I, I mean, I would say that <laughs> you should find Christ and become a Christian first of all, so you could you know, but not exclude the sh- church doesn't exclusively help them, but. Um, it would be, you know, you would donate when you tithe, you know, that when I'm giving this money and I'm putting it in the hands of this church, I know it's going to help the homeless people that live in the downtown area area, or, you know, I know that my church is doing, or they have a food pantry, a food pantry. Yeah. yeah. Or some kind of ministry that's reaching. yeah. Yeah. In addition to, as Jesus said, a personal mandate. Right, so that's what I, I think that the church is supposed to should be taking over. Okay, well, like someone in our congregations, if, if the church is doing its job, we wouldn't need welfare states. Right. We wouldn't need welfare s- social services at all from right. the federal government. Yeah, honestly, so I, no, that's the th- that's what that's a hard thing to think about, but it's true. Yeah, I mean that's the thing when you know, I keep thinking back in a utopian, <laughs> a constitutional utopia, you know, like yeah. this uh, conservative utopia, it would be um, okay. We're all working together, and oh, our pull the the worst scenario that you know, or not the worst scenario, or something that people always point to when they say this is why we need welfare, or whatever, or anything. Okay, so a woman, uh, her husband dies, she has three kids, right? Okay, so she needs she without her control, you know, circumstances outside of her, she needs help. Right. Especially in, you know, how is she going to pay for these kids? You know, her de- presumably the husband is the breadwinner or whatever. So who steps in? Oh, we, liberals would say, oh, the government, just give her more money. Just pay for it. You know, yeah, I would say yeah, create a program and yeah, yeah. You create a program. And then it <laughs> instead of helping one person or, you know, you get all these leeches off of it and stuff. But you would it used to be, oh, that woman on a street, her husband died. Let's go. Help her with rent. Oh, yeah. she needs rent. Let's, you know, the rest Let's of us. Take care of her house. Let's, you Let's know, mow her grass. Mow her grass. Or, yeah. You know, help right. get her kids to school. Help, you know, do this, do that. Yeah. Um, buy her clothes, whatever. Buy her clothes, whatever it is. Yeah. So that's how it's supposed to, yeah. I, I would say, supposed to be. That's my long-winded rant. <laughs> or not rant, but. Well, so what you're saying, though, is that there was a, there was a need. For, the church had a, a, a present need in the community. Yeah. It was recognized. The government was trying to assist that. Um, and so, but what, and, and I want to say this first too, that, uh, I'm not, this isn't a bash, the church thing. Yeah. What yeah. I'm doing is I'm looking at reality. So it's just a reality check on some things that are, and this is from based on my own observations, my experience and, and some things that I've, that I know to be true. Yeah. So, um, so, so say, um, so say you're, you're, this church is, uh, the go- the government wants to pull tax exempt status. And there's a couple of reasons for this. Number one is because a lot of these churches that are massive, these big mega churches, they are their their footprint of real estate is enormous. Yeah, they do pay. They do have to pay real estate taxes. Um, I believe I'm not positive on that. Um, if not always, but maybe one time, I'm not positive on that. But yeah. I could be wrong. But they're generating 
millions upon millions of dollars of quote unquote income in offerings every year. Yeah. And they're like, we're not getting any, the government's like, we're not getting any of this. You're Mm -hmm. pulling this money out of our economy. They're giving it to you. And what are you doing on your property that's tax free? You're, you're building more. (laughs) Right. And, and so uh, they see the local governments see these big church, they come against them. In yeah. a lot of ways, and they they don't see them as a benefit any longer. So you know, as soon as you have enough people on the board that are you know that are post what we would say post Christian, um, you know, belief system, uh, never been to church, unchurched, never churched, whatever, they're not going to see the value in it, and they're just going to vote against it, and they'll 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 yank that tax exempt status. I think in the next ten years it's going to happen, and that's going to be really hard for a lot of churches because they. They need, you know, smaller churches need right. that exempt status because they use that to budget. That's a 30 or 40 percent, uh, you know, right off the top that would be gone, mm-hmm. depending on what the tax bracket would be for those churches. So, and then you got to pay employees, Social Security, all that kind of, you know, match Social Security. I think they still have to do that. But, but, um, anyways, my point in this is this is that some things have gone wrong as the church got institutionalized and it became powerful and wealthy and then in america in particular it established itself what happened is it lost sight of what it's supposed to be and i think what's going to cause it to get back to what it's supposed to be is going to be the very things that are going to be what they what we would say are bad things starting with like okay we're losing our tax exempt status so that's gone or or the other aspect of it is, because I'm reading a book right now called uh, The Present Future by a guy named uh, Reggie McNeil, and I highly recommend it to anybody. If you're, a, if you're a church leader in any way, I highly recommend you read that book, uh, The Present Future by Reggie McNeil. He's not paying me a dime. <laughs> <laughs> I actually paid for the book to buy it, so um, I've given him money. But, uh, but this book, it was written about 10 years ago. And one of the things that he says is that all the statistics that they're saying is that this generation that we're facing right now, the millennial generation that's emerging, is different than the generation before them. The generation before them, which would be, I believe, the uh, Xers or the Boomers, you know, the, you know the, yeah, yeah. The, they were the ones that were funding all that we see right now. So those mega churches, those million, you know, twenty, thirty million dollar facilities that you see in cities and towns, those were funded by the last generation not by this generation yeah and so but they're dying and the new generation the millennials they don't give the same way they don't the the giving habits of the millennials is they give and like you and i were talking like they'll give to an organization like tom's before they'll give to a church right because they think that tom's is actually making a difference okay i buy a pair of shoes i get a cool pair of shoes that will stink after a week when i sweat in them (laughs) But also some African kid's going to get a pair of shoes or some, you know, Dominican Republican kid or whatever. Yeah. And so um, they see that that's actually valuable to them and it's making a difference. And when they look at the big church institution, they they say, oh, well, they keep buying new buses and new <laughs> this and whatever. And their pastor makes X hundred thousand dollars a year or whatever. And what difference is it making if I give him my you know, my couple thousand dollars a year. Yeah. Like, is it really making a difference to the homeless guy that I pass every time I drive to the church, you know? Yeah. And not to say that all of the church's offerings that are come should go to get, to help the homeless, but there are mandates in scripture about what it should be sent, spent for. And I think they've lost some touch in that. And they've be- and the church has become in a lot of ways 
like the the modern evangelical church in a lot of ways has become a a it's been customer service oriented. We want to get you and keep you, and you're a customer, and you're going to pay for the services that we provide, which is we'll entertain you, we'll keep, we'll give you programs for your kids and for for you, and we'll create a little nice little bubble haven that you can live in, um, which is totally contrary to what what it's supposed to be. Right. Yeah. Well, it's not even that you can live in; it's that you can come for an hour a week. Right. And then you feel satisfied. You've checked a box. Yeah. yeah. So what's going to happen is there's going to be opposition to that. It's going to break that down. So the givers are going to die off, and then they can't fund them anymore. So what are they going to do? Well, look at Europe. Churches are by thousands every month are literally being turned into pubs and like you know condominiums and that was happening here with the what is it the i think i talked about it during the uh the denomination what was that the episcopalian churches they're all dying yeah 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 they're becoming they're being repurposed you know and and that's okay but basically the church has the the modern day church has become land amassers they want to amass land and um have their own thing and and i think that's going to go away because we can't keep it can't fund it you know, and um, and and then you're going to have outside persecution of the church. So you have a community, like a culture that doesn't see the value in it. They don't agree with your with your values. They're going to want to silence you. So what what happens to the church when all of a sudden, like we're experiencing this right now? Twitter is banning people left and right, and and for no good reason, right? Just because they don't agree with what they're what their message is and what they're saying. Right. So what happens when all of a sudden the internet starts banning churches? Oh, your website can't be hosted here anymore. We don't agree with your hate policy on what you stand for certain people with dispositions of ex- of sexuality. Right. And I was going to say this kind of even ties into what the, uh, the tax exempt status. One of the reasons that uh, churches are able to have a tax exempt status, I can't remember what the law is called, but they're not allowed to specifically endorse a political candidate. Right. It's a pretty loose law. Right. And certain, depending on who's running and who's in office, you see it enforced. Like I saw Obama go to a church. Right, right. And and literally stumped at a church. You, If if Trump would have tried that, it, pro- it would have been like, you know, the end of the world. Right. They would have been like, he can't do this. That's an unconstitutional church and state. Blah, yeah, blah, but, blah. I, but I, my point was, is that if anyone's like maybe making the jump or like, okay, we get that they might take away a ter- a church status because it's not doing that. Right. But what, why would they start banning all this other stuff? Or what would be the difference? Like, so one thing that I would see is a pastor who's been, uh, like I remember I went to the last, the church that I was attending during the last election, they didn't specifically endorse, uh, the pastor didn't specifically endorse a candidate, but he went through and basically said, okay, this is the republic, you know. Right. He said. Presented this to, the, the two, two parties. Right, and then right. was talking about, okay, this one is for abortion. It's in, I'm reading it off their website. Right, right. The Democrat Party endorses abortion. That's murder of children, of unborn children. The Republicans don't. Well, okay. a lot of them. Well, <laughs> well at least it, voting for a party. And so that's right. how they got away with that stuff. Yeah. But you think if there's no tax-exempt tax status, there would be a lot more boldness, I think. Possibly. And so, uh, so that's what I see is like all of a sudden that starts happening. Then you get these pastors that start talking specifically about, you know, 
stuff or specific politics and that's where they get banned that's where all of a sudden some stuff happens yeah again along with you know i just see it as a pastor who might i don't know maybe i guess the more i'm thinking about it i I don't know if it would embolden they they can get bought off too they could get they could be hey we'll make a donation to your church if you endorse us that's one of the problems exactly yeah that's one of the reasons they try and protected too so but my whole thing is is that what's going to happen is the culture is going to come against it the government's going to come against it the people that fund it are dying off what's the future of the church going to look like and i think it's going to go back to where it did back in 100 a.d you know and 100 when it went from twenty thousand to 20 million in in 200 years but i think it's going to go backwards it's going to reverse and and we're going to actually be learning from you know, persecuted Christians in China and in South America and... Ones that are going through it right now. Right, in Africa. Those that are enduring the the persecutions right now and, and, and the government doesn't, well, is hunting them down, putting them in jail, just ravaging them, ravaging them. We're going to have to learn from them. Yeah. And right now we've been, you know, it's... So the American church right now is just fat and happy. It's extremely blessed yeah i mean that's like one of the i was gonna say i wrote a couple notes um basically that yeah like what will the church like think about if you think about this even what we're doing right now right yeah okay so i I think we should take a minute and talk about the implications of what you said about being silenced just on twitter yeah okay like blah 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 we get silenced on twitter but okay may how many people are getting saved maybe on Twitter interactions or seeing tweets from John Piper. I don't know. Uh, you know, and who knows? C- yeah. old C.S. Lewis quotes or, you know, whoever <laughs> uh, Chesterton or whoever running these, you know, okay, whatever, you know, they silence us on Twitter. It's a private company. Uh, we won't get, get into that right. about whatever, yeah. whatever you feel about that. But what about like, when you, and even a church losing its hosting on it, know thing but what about if kind of going back to the the so the chinese social credit system like what if americans who are outwardly professed christians and i use this in a term so this will as a christian you would be seen as homophobic transphobic yeah you're labeled hateful you're labeled right what if you you cannot buy a telephone you cannot have phone service. You can't buy or sell or anything. It's going to get to that point. Yeah, no, no, but uh, but I mean, even before Revelation, because we weren't going to get it. Like, <laughs> I mean, literally, if you're on a blacklist because you say that marriage is between a man and a woman, right. and there's only two genders, and that's labeled as hate speech or some radicalized thing, they're going to like. That's not hard to think that. Oh, like, they're already are, they're already doing this to people, right? They're so, shutting them down for saying stuff like that. Yeah, and I'm sure that there's stuff. That the Chinese government in that surveillance state, you know, they are suppress- they're doing stuff like this. I, I have to believe that they're doing stuff to this known Christians that are not allowed to. No question. Okay, so you can't travel. You can't go outside your city. Oh, because you're going, because maybe you're not, there's not enough space where you can congregate or everyone once a month, you know, I'm just throwing out something. We all go meet in the woods at this specific location. Right. And this is, you know, you're going to hold. Uh, the one piece of you know the, a Bible that you know a one page that we use, yeah, or wh- whatever we have, and we're gonna you know hide it back, and someone else is gonna hide it. And we're gonna go to this different region, and we're gonna keep moving, you know, doing stuff like that, which 
churches all over the, the world have to do. Mm-hmm. Like, what is that going to, like in America, what if we're not able to, uh, so the churches go under, they can't afford these massive buildings. Where does everyone go? Yeah. Well, it like, goes, back, how are we going to communicate? It yeah. goes back to organic. And this is why, this is why it's so important that the church's focus today is to equip their people so that they can do the ministry. Right. So you need to know good doctrine. You need to understand how to share the gospel. You need to know, you know, the proper way to uh, help someone through as you basically look at yourself as a minister. And we need to look at our congregation, the congregations that are gathering as as ministers as well, and we want to equip them for works of service. That's the whole, that should be the whole focus. Right. So if I know if I have, like say I'm a, uh, say I'm a pastor in a church, I'm the lead guy or whatever, which I'm not, um, <laughs> Then, um, and then things start to fall apart, I will be most happy when, okay, I, I got to get a different job, um, but my my congregation that has been sitting under me, you know, as I've been teaching and stuff for the past 10 years or whatever, they are well equipped. They know how to love on people. They know how to share the gospel. They know how to defend the faith. They know how to, to, to well, he, you know. Here's going to here's gonna be, uh, I'll play devil's advocate. Sure. Well, like, what do we do now? So you're saying that I have to do all this stuff, but is, why do we pay you? Can't I just bring my, that's exactly. my neighbor to church? Isn't that what, I mean, uh, right. that's what the church, uh, uh, that's kind of well, the, the mindset right now is. Exactly. Of the American Christian, it's not about being like. It's, it's come and see. Come at, where it's meant to be, go and be. Right. The, the, so right me now, as Steve and Rosie, whatever, like, you know, it's a lot. I'm just using myself as an example. Yeah. Is, oh, that's going to be too, you know, people at work might know I'm a Christian or, you know, like yeah. do whatever, but I'm not going to start a Bible study at work. Why would I, what, you know, what am I going to do? I will, if I get some inkling that someone you know, how am I equipped? I'm going to mess up. I, I don't know my Bible. I don't know how to answer tough questions. You know, like I don't know how to do this. Well, you know what's a lot easier and uh, will be less divisive? If I just bring my coworker to church because right. that's where the pastor, that's in essence. Let them ask him the questions. Right. That That's yeah. who I'm paying. You know, I tie to, I pay, that's your job. You're supposed to be the one that when I bring people that aren't Christian or have questions, I can go. I'm your pastor. I've never seen a dime from you. (laughs) I don't know what you're talking about. No, but I mean, that's, I think that's how a lot of Americans think is I'm, you know, in the same way that they tell the government, you know, I'm paying your salary. You know, I think a lot of Americans think, well, that's what I pay. That's what I tithe. That's where he, he's getting a paycheck, isn't it? He's not doing it for free. Yeah. That's what he's supposed to do. There's a lot. You know, am I paying him for really three services on Sunday? So three hour, you know, and we'll give him prep time throughout the week. But, you know, does it really take, <laughs> you know, you know what I mean? Like where I'm going with this is. I don't like where you're going with that. No, no. No, no but, I'm just kidding. But I mean, that's, I think a lot of people think. It, the bottom is, line is they want to take someone to church and they don't want to be the, not because not a pastor, but like. But we've created, the church has created that. Right. That's they a, built that. That's they my point. built that system. And that's you my point. summarized everything that that book I was talking <laughs> about, the, the, uh, the Present Future by Reggie McNeil. He, he sees the writing on the wall that when things start to unravel for the, in our culture, for the church, that, that our, is our, are our congregations, are our people going to be prepared? Yeah. So we need to start undoing some of the stuff that we've built up. And there's a lot of, pe- there's a lot of churches out there that are, aren't going to like hearing that. Because they want to amass 
you know, the, I had a pastor one time say to me, he's like, we're fighting over the same sheep. You know, it's right, like, yeah. like I have a ministry, you have a ministry. And it's like, we're, I want all your people to come to my church and you want all my people to come to your church. I don't technically want that from him, but, but <laughs> we were having a, a we're, he's a great guy, a great brother in the Lord. He's a pastor, a lead guy at a church. And he, and we were joking though, but he's like, that's literally what's happening is we're all fighting over the same sheep. And so the mindset has to be, I don't, I'm not interested in those that already are in the faith. I'm interested in reaching those that are not yet in the faith. And if that becomes my focus, I don't really care about what building they go to on a Sunday to worship Jesus. You just want them to go to a building. If, well, if they I, need I mean, to, if, yeah. the, if the building is permitted, but if not, then it's going to be the same way it was in the early church where it's going to digress into, and this is actually extreme, I understand that, but it'll yeah. digress to small community centers or home churches or whatever, because even though people would be willing to help fund at some level and find land and build at some point, um, that is not going to be what will be permitted. So it may be forced by the hand of government. And we could be a ways off from that, but this is really what points to the future. And I, I think the more that we keep talking about like the church fighting against the government or anything, uh, I heard it really succinctly said um, that this basically as a, as the, the church and the broadest sense, the state will not save us. Right. The, I mean, if you, maybe, <laughs> you know, years and years and years and years ago, um, the government, you know, I mean, for whatever it's worth, you know, the state, the government is not going to come in to save the church. It is not going to happen. Right. No, no, especially, not, at all. not at all. Especially not in the culture of today. And again, the millennials rising up and becoming those. And like you said, they're not paying for it. And Maybe they're to, extremely liberal too. The millennials that, are. Right. So what would be like, you think of the essence of, you know, like humanism and socialism and all this, the, the new a atheism and all this stuff that's popping up that's so popular. Um, isn't, I, I'm pretty sure that the millennial generation is the most unchurched generation in America. It is. Right? Yeah. It is, yeah. So why? It's also the largest generation in American history. Right. So it's the largest unsaved generation. Yep. So why on earth would we think that when these people start going anywhere, like me, you know, my, my people, um, <laughs> You speak for your people. I'm technically a millennial, I guess. Yeah. Um, why would they, you know, want to stop or help save the church? They don't care about it. They don't. It's not even they don't care about it. They don't. They don't like it. Well, yeah. So like traditions, right? Traditions are something a big deal. We, if you weren't raised in the church, then you don't have traditions. You weren't christened there or baptized there. You, you don't. You don't. You're. You know, your uncle wasn't a deacon there or right. whatever. You know, you don't have a tie. You weren't, you never went there. You maybe went there for a wedding or a funeral, but you didn't go there on a Sunday and you certainly didn't have any reason to go there. Yeah, but I mean, why, why would they protect us if, again, right, the liberals, yeah, right. they have no connection and we're the ones that are speaking truth that now is going, and I, to kind of say it and even to get political since you said we haven't gotten political in a while. Um <laughs> Conservative, like, you know, speaking the truth. We So we're speaking the truth. The biblical truth is the truth. It's the truth. There's, there's only one truth. There's no your truth. There's not my truth. Right. There's the truth. Right. And we have the truth. The, it's in the Bible, um, in case you didn't know. And uh, <laughs> But that is becoming increasingly unpopular, and we're going to become a minor minority. We already like, are. I we think are, we are. are. I think we are a minority. Right. Uh, there might be more than we understand. 
But the other thing that happens is when things break down, and this happened in the early church, when things break down, you end up with um, people falling away, if you will. They walk away. Well, I guess it would be, I was going to say, I don't know if it'll get to the point of being persecuted or the state actually killing us, which it will. Uh, It will if we get install some, if we completely abandon our constitution and just have, you know, that's what they did under Stalin, under communist regimes. Yeah. They killed um, people because look at the Holocaust. Mm -hmm. That was a religious, you know, that was something. So you get that. Why in an atheist religion, uh, a regime is going to kill and try to wipe out um, the most vocal um, opposition opposition right that you know that makes sense <laughs> right right but right. What, what i was getting at is people who may be strong believers i guess to kind of tie it back to the another point we had made if i know that the if i don't if i'm not equipped with a lot of faith if i don't have a lot of i don't want to say a lot of faith because it's not measurable in the sense you know what i mean um but if I'm not like if I'm not willing to die for this, you know, I might not talk about it at work. And if there's no church that I can well, if bring, you, if you were going to lose your job because you talked about it at work, you probably wouldn't talk about it, right? Right. right. You know? Yeah. But I mean, even in my neighbor, like if I knew that, uh, if I knew that I started talking to my neighbors mm-hmm. and being Christian was taboo, which is in many countries, they don't t- talk to their neighbors and all this kind of stuff. If they knew that they could be killed. I don't think Americans in particular, a lot, a, a, the majority, even of Christians that self-profess Christians in the church, um, do, you, do you think they're willing to die today? Yeah, I, I, would, I would hope that if you trust Christ as your Savior and you're, like you're listening to this, that you would be willing to give your life for that faith. I, I hope that would be, I hope I would be able to I do hope that. so too. You know, it's just hard to say. Yeah. It's just hard to say when it gets to that point. Yeah. But before it gets to that point, there's some things that are going to happen and yeah. they're going to really disrupt the the system. And and I don't see that as a bad thing, personally. I think the system needs to break. I think it has gotten turned upside down and I think it's become a machine. The evangelical Christian you know, in America, you know, we're talking about American church. The yeah. evangelical Christian church in America has become a machine. I mean, when you have, when you have um, roving confer- concerts that are like Lollapalooza, but from a Christian <laughs> thing. When you have, you know, our own like like it's our own it's our own culture, right? So like you would think like there's a there's a culture for this, a culture for that. There's a Christian culture in America. It's a subculture, but there is a Christian culture, and they. Christians gravitate towards that. We have our own radio stations. We have our own books. We have our own, you know, dating sites. Yeah, we have our own. Yeah, we have our own dating dating apps. We have, and so what's happening is we've become something that I don't believe through the scriptures or just from my understanding of the word of that it was ever intended to be. Mm. And so what has to happen is you know so the Catholic Church emerged and became this institution, and then God rose up reformers, and they you know, trying to break down that system. And, and then you had the Protestant Reformation that, you know, f- it resulted in that. Maybe the Protestant Reformation has become partly, well, I'm going to get a ton of, people are going to want to kill me for saying this, that my all my reform friends, but maybe the evangelical 
church in America, which is a product of the Reformation. Okay, so yeah. I'll, 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 I'll word it that way. I'm not laying claim on the on the reformers because they were brilliant people, brave people, but um, maybe something needs to happen there. And I don't think it's a reformation in the sense like what happened with the Protestant Reformation. Yeah. I, I think it's going to be a breakdown of all that is established, and it's going to start with money because money makes it all happen, and then it's going to start to break down from there. And I think what that's going to result in is you're going to result in going back to the organic movement that went from 20,000 people to 20 million people as a movement yeah, without power and money behind it. That's like two or three generations when you think about that too. Y- yeah. Of people. So it's each person, each of those 20,000, like that individual person – Right. Gave fruit to so many more exponentially. Yeah. Every, every, indi- like say for instance, you're at 25,000 yeah. and every individual that you share the gospel with and they receive it and they, and they confess Christ is a huge win. Yeah. One person. Right. At 20,000, that's all you know. One person is a, it's like our podcast. Like if one person just tells <laughs> another person about our podcast and they start listening for us at this level right now, it's huge. It is. It's it is. huge. Oh, we had 70 people or we had 100 people, whatever. You know, it's huge for us. Um, but what happens now, then it gets established and now you have 20 million people a couple hundred years later and then, you know, a billion people, you know, a, a millennia later. Now it's established. It's like it, it exists, and now it's on a cycle where it's gonna, it's gonna have to be kind of trimmed. Yeah, and that's actually a biblical principle. Principle is you know pruning. Yeah, he cuts off the stuff, the dead limbs, and he talks about how he's gonna prune back the things. But it's all good. Mm-hmm. It all creates and promotes more growth. Right, and it keeps the good solid you know root that needs to be there, and uh, cuts off the dead branches that are bearing no fruit. <laughs> Return to orthodoxy. Oh, man. (laughs) Yeah. Well, yeah, I just think genuine relationship with Jesus, telling other people about it, telling, I mean, there's nothing, like, the the come and see needs to die. Mm -hmm. It just needs to die. Don't don't invite people to church to come and hear your pastor. You share the gospel with them. It's your responsibility. It's, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I can't get that out of my head. It's been something I've been really really thinking about a lot lately and um when i first became a christian it was such a radical change for me no one had to tell me to share the gospel with people i just started telling people about this experience i had with god with the living god mm-hmm. i'm like do you know god do you know jesus like you should man you should meet him right right you couldn't stop me and that's the kind of of organic movement that we kind of need to see resurge into the churches today not gathering for more bible studies like we have enough Bible studies, like you know what I mean. Like yeah. they're great. Bible studies are great because they help us learn things. But really, are they transforming your life, and you're taking it outside the walls of the church? Now, see, now I'm preaching. I didn't even want to get into yeah. that. But so I mean, maybe there's. I was going to say as a kind of a tongue-in-cheek thing, um, maybe there is a reason uh, to kind of move it along that Jesus didn't hang out with, uh, you know, who he hung out with, whether. Yeah. yeah, I mean, what, what was the thing you had said before um, that they called, you know, uh, they called Jesus, uh, you know, a drunkard and all that because he hung out with drunks and mm-hmm. they called a glutton. him a glutton yeah. and all these things and he hung out with prostitutes. You know, he wasn't doing that just to 
prove a point and just hang out with them and say, Oh, look, I'm hanging out with them right. for a photo, a photo op, you know, like <laughs> look me, watch me go hang out with these homeless people or right. do this or do that or do that. There's a reason that he was like chasing after them. So maybe what to kind of move it along is outside. So we've created this bubble. Mm-hmm. It's a safe space. The bubble is going to be popped. There's not going to be a safe space for us anymore. Yeah. And, you know, like, where do we go from there? I, I, I kind of alluded to the thing with Jesus is that, you know, um, get a, we need to get, we, a, should, we need to get a bad reputation. Yeah. We need to get a bad reputation. Seriously. Yeah. How did Jesus get that? Cause he right. hung out with them. Right. And what was he doing? He was preaching good, the good news. You know, he was, he was trying to transform them. And yeah, so what I meant, right. that that's whole right. thing that what I meant by that is that, um, we, as a, as Christians, should be equipped to not, I don't know how to say it, not get in, we should do less internal debating, uh, you know, like, oh, I, I want to learn and understand theology yeah. so that I can uh, school my Catholic friends or, you know, we can talk about this or we can debate for a couple hours about, right. uh, I don't know, uh, Arminia, Arminianism versus Calvinism or, you know, I want to be good so I can, you know, debate my friend or something like that or have right. this or only read these as opposed to I want to understand, you know, these questions so that when I go talk to my friend who's a Muslim, I want to know what the Quran says about who Jesus was. And so I want to know the refutation, not the refutations in a way to debate, but to win him or to say it in a way that... Um, to have an answer. To have an answer. Yeah. To, yeah. to literally have an answer for when he says, I would follow Christ, but I don't believe in the Trinity. Right. Well, let me explain that to you the best way I can. Right. Let me tell you why Christians believe in a Trinity. Right. You know, and you can give him a basic, I mean, you got to start somewhere. Yeah. And and that's the problem is we've got like really, really knowledgeable church Yeah. that just sit in the pews and don't go out <laughs> right so exactly. yeah we're living in it so we're living in that right now and and the future of the church is going to be very you know it's when i look ahead i think some things are some big institutional things are going to start to be challenged you know it'll be small here and there but i think it'll g- gain momentum and it just takes a matter of time and then um and then it's going you know as the same time that that's happening the generation of givers are going to begin expiring and going to heaven you know their race is done and then the church that they built these big complexes and these this big institution they're going to have to maintain it right even if it's paid for it's still got to maintain it yeah. you know and you got a you got you got a thousand seat sanctuary you know, and you're only filling, and there's only 200 people coming. Yeah, that's just awkward. Yeah, and odd. You know, and but that is happening in mm-hmm. the United States, and so, um, and then and then there's the whole celebrity side of things too, like where there's a celebrity-driven side of evangelicalism as well, where, oh, so and so is the pastor of this church, you should go hear him teach or whatever. You know, yeah. that happens. You know, I know there's a really, really well-known, you know, well-known um, author that became a pastor of a church locally where we are. And I was excited about it because I love this guy's heart. You know, he's, I feel like his heart's really in the right place in yeah. terms of like, like he, he um, wants to break down that mega church complex idea and get it to where it needs to be. He wants people on mission, you know, so to speak. Yeah. And that's coming through in his preaching and his heart. But at the same time, when 
I heard he was coming, I heard other people that didn't go to that church go, oh, we're going to have to go check it out. Yeah. So it's like a consumeristic mentality to the people, and it's a celebrity mentality from the leadership. So um, we build off of the celebrity guy becomes a, pro- a product mm-hmm. to gather people around, whether they want to admit that or not. They would they would deny that and say, no, 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 it's just he's using his gift. He's really gifted, and he's a communicator, and he's funny, and and God wants to use him in that way. Well, there's also the fact that that you let it happen that way, mm. right? Yeah, yeah, because you because the money comes in. Right. That's why I think it's. The, uh, I think a bunch of this is hinged on the money. Yeah. I think once that money goes away, things get real really quick. Like yeah. you know, people in ministry that are that are full time in in ministry as pastors and directors and working at churches and stuff. If the money went away, would you still do that? Would you still do that job? You know, that's a great question. To mm-hmm. ask. If I wasn't getting paid every two weeks to do what I do, would I still do it? And I can say yes, I would do it because I've been called. Yeah, I know I've been called. And you know that God will provide oh, everything 100%, else. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. So I think that there's some hope to be had. Maybe the kind of <laughs> we kind of painted a bleak, yeah, picture. But it's God's church, right? He will yeah. overcome the world. That's what He said. The verse that I yeah. read at the beginning. Just take heart. I've overcome the world. Yeah. That that's great. That's good news. How that looks, that could be. It it could get. I mean, in order to overcome the world, there's some conflict. There's some war. <laughs> yeah. There's some bad stuff going down. Yeah. You know, which doesn't, isn't fun to go through. Yeah. And I think, you know, we talk about, and I don't know, I'm totally guilty of it too, about uh, saying stuff like, oh, look at how um, persecuted. <laughs> I mean, even in this podcast, even when we were talking, I was talking about, you know, how persecuted. Uh, we're going to be when we, you know, don't have access to a phone and we can't like, <laughs> you know, we can't, we have to, I, I don't know, use smoke signals or God forbid, <laughs> use, smoke God forbid, use the United Postal Service to send letters or, you know, whatever. I'll use homing pigeons. Yeah. Um, you know, you know, some stuff like that, which is still such an American, like I understand the irony yeah. when I say like the worst that's going to happen is we're not going to have access to Facebook and we can't <laughs> like, text each other, you know, like that's so stupid yeah. um, in the grand scheme because like, and I think we alluded to this earlier um, and we've talked about it, you know, here and there is that like, we're not persecuted here in America. And aside from some crazy socialist, uh, anti-God institution that gets installed, and the the, the military betrays their right. uh, their <laughs> oath, their allegiance to the Constitution. What's well, not going to happen? I mean, military is not going to. You know, if you didn't know this, the government <laughs> or the the military, they every soldier, enlisted person, non uh, you know officer, they don't swear allegiance to the president or the government. They swear allegiance to the Constitution. So that's what, you know, you, whenever you hear this stuff about, uh, like, oh, the government or, you know, all this stuff, the the military is not going to turn. They're going to, and that's for the most part when you talk to a lot of military, you know, vets and people in the military, they tend to be a little bit more conservative and put a lot of uh, faith and trust in the Constitution and yeah. revere it yeah. as it should be. So because we have that in place and God, you know, inspired our creators uh, of the nation to write the constitution the way it's all set up. I don't think it's going to happen, but um, like there totally are Christians that are 
so persecuted in the world right now that, you know, that's going to be another thing. Yeah, they're not like, worried about can Facebook. They're worried about a meal. Yeah, they're worried about, I just keep, uh, there's yeah. some page on Facebook, which is, again, so ironic to say that. Um, but I, I follow, like, news outlets and stuff that just constantly update with stories all the time. Every day, every day I see a new story about, oh, here's four pastors killed in Uganda. Yeah, yeah. And it's not because they're doing anything. They are, they're preaching, they're trying to help, you know. Yeah. Like They just, were visiting a widow and they got ambushed and, and stabbed to death. Or, and the widow got worse, you know, right, stuff right. like that. They left her. Yeah. You know, so this is um, a lot of complaining probably. <laughs> this probably is going to come off as a lot of privileged complaining. I think we're prophets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But um, I do think it's, you know, those Christians out there, I like, you know, I it, when we, when I said, uh, you know, I'd hope I'd be willing to die um you know, for Jesus, um, there's millions of people out there in the world that are being killed. Mm -hmm. they, uh, not millions daily, but there are millions and daily are killed because of their faith. And I think um, when this stuff happens to us, because I do think it's going to happen in America, this kind of oh, scrutiny yeah. is going to happen. Um, well, I mean, look, they're making, making bakers make cakes for people yeah. they don't you know and this is in our just our standard you know um economic system in our in you know in the in our the marketplace yeah what are they going to do eventually when they start turning their sites and they can they figure out a way to manipulate the law in their favor or close down it completely close so i mean that's trying to close use, it yeah yeah close the what they want like when you think about that what they don't what they didn't want with the baker or any of these things when they say, oh, that's a Christian baker who doesn't want to bake, it's a Christian. That It's a Christian, right. It's a Christian. We need to make sure that not that not only that he has to bake a cake for this, they don't want that. What they want, this, so this is the war that we're against here in America. And again, compare this comparatively to people that are actually being killed. Um, what they want is they don't want that guy to be able to feed his family. They want his business shut down. Right. And um, and it's like um, I look at those things as like when you study like civil war battles, yeah. Like there's there's a de decisive battle that will turn the whole war, yeah. And it's a small. It's usually like within a window of like four or six hours of a fight between a couple hundred people, yeah. But it turns the whole tide of the war. They're looking for those, yeah. Which one is going to turn this? So if we get this, if we win this, then all of a sudden it, it extends into other areas. We get this precedent that's right. now in law that we right. can do all this other stuff. Yeah, it's not even about that single case, but it's about that single case setting something up for something much greater. Yeah. That's what's happening. Yeah. And so you're right. It's like, uh, you know, it's not about the baker, right. but it's gonna, and it's gonna come home. It's gonna get closer and closer. Yeah. So here's the cool thing though, Rosie, this, is, this will encourage you. Yeah. You know one of the biggest dilemmas they had in the early church mm -mm. during the persecution time? What do we do with the people that desert, that live, and then come back? Huh. So people confess Christ, and then they like, oh, no, they renounce Christ because they're going to die if they don't, yeah. or their family will get killed or whatever. And then they come back later when the persecutions you know, <laughs> cease, right. and, uh, and they want to be a part of the church. What do you do with them? Well, that was a big dilemma for the early yeah. church. I don't, <laughs> like saying that now. Uh, you welcome them in. Yeah. You have to. Get, yeah. You have to. And I think that... Um, it's likely 
that that individual, if they were ever faced with it again, would stand. You'd hope so. They would. I think. I think they would. I think they would yeah. see. And I think that the the kindness of the church receiving them back in hmm. uh, would be enough to be like, man, this is genuine. Yeah. Because I turn my back on them, you know. Yeah. Now I was gonna say, kind of to sum it up, uh, or I don't mean to sum it up, but um, like when I, I just keep going back to thinking like just how ironic it is that we're talking about all this stuff. And again, the, the Christians are, con- are so in the grand scheme of Christianity, we have, we have been, I don't say we as in me living in America, but we as a church have consistently been killed. Mm-hmm. Like there, there are martyrs all throughout. It has been nonstop since the church's beginning. Yes. They're killing and there's no, reason to think that it will ever stop um i don't think it it doesn't we're, we're stop. promised that it's gonna <laughs> right. stop right um so um i think that i take a lot of heart when i when i read these terrible stories about what's happening my heart does just um i, I can't imagine it but it gives me hope in the sense that um you know, one of the, one of the biggest things that I think people overlook when you talk about the early church and kind of how just to use this term, like those dudes were badasses. You know, like they were out there like <laughs> preaching to like cities, like the like the earliest ones that were like, you guys need to turn right now. You know, like you need to like just prophesy and coming out with such a fervor because they knew that it was true, you know, That's right. like these, these early church fathers and all these guys, the, all the martyrs, which I think we should do an episode on martyrs. Um, I think would be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is that like the, there's something, so I guess the hope that I have is that if so many people before me and still now are dying because that they know that this is true, I think that this should invigorate Christians who may be on the fence or people who maybe are listening to this and don't think that it's real or, you know, yep. don't believe in it. Can't buy into it. Maybe like, why should I believe into it? Um, I'll say that there's, I don't think that there's too many atheists that are willing to like die over their beliefs or that have been, <laughs> I don't think atheists have ever been persecuted um, at the extent that Christians have. Right. Um, no, no other group, no other group consistently, consistently for, for no, 2,000 no. years. So there been. might be, so I guess this is, might be like a call to action or, you know, whatever, call to faith, that there might be something to uh, the believability or <laughs> that there might be something to this Christian, this Jesus dude. You know, um, if people that knew him were willing to die in the face of, like, literally stand up to the most powerful government on the face of the earth that had ever existed at that point in time, the Roman empire. Yeah. Where they say like, all you have to do, all you have to do is just say, stop, just stop talking this stuff. It didn't happen. You're talking crazy. A guy. Or or you, uh, you worship pledge to worship Caesar. Yeah. Cause he's a God. Yeah. uh, Right. But I mean, just think of like, I, I mean, I think it's important to bring it back. That's like us standing before like the president and like everyone. And then, they're just saying like, all you have to do is stop saying that this dude that you saw rose, die, rose from the dead, like Jim, like yeah. you keep saying, you keep telling people that Jim, he, yeah, we know we killed him. And you keep saying you saw him like, dude, we're going to kill you. 
just just stop just saying shut up. just yeah, just, just shut stop up. saying it yeah. and if you knew that jim didn't actually <laughs> you know if this was some big hoax that this was some trick that we've all been playing these christians right. on the world like oh no we're doing it for the money or we're doing it for this or we're doing it for this like you know like oh you know the power we're, we're the, playing yeah. we're playing a trick on all you guys we're gonna laugh at you because it's not real um you think that like we there'd probably be some people that uh wouldn't there'd probably be a lot less people willing to die over a lie yeah and yeah oh yeah so that's what I guess that yeah, was. No one's like, going to die for a lie. Yeah. They're just super long winded again. Right. Um, but yeah, I take like. You're chatty tonight, dude. I know, man. Dude, this is a chatty, chatty, rosy yeah. podcast. Yeah. I just like, I get fired up when <laughs> I hear like, it just, man, it's, I don't know. I welcome it. Yeah. You know, I welcome Cause I hope that, you know, I'm forged with the fire, you know, like <laughs> rebuilt. Um, well, our podcast is already underground, <laughs> so it'll go even more underground if we yeah. has to right? Like, uh, oh man. Well, who knows how it's all going to play out. We don't, we don't have that. We're not privy to that information, but we, we do know that we need to, you know, as you're saying, we need to get it, we need to get it right now, get our hearts right, right now. That's where we need to be. And I just, um, you know, I'm, so I, that's my thing. And I think about the, you know, this brave new world that we're entering into. The, the biggest thing is, is that we are the beacon of truth that has been established by the all, almighty creator of everything, of heaven and earth. He's established the church to be the beacon of truth for a lost and dying world that sits in darkness. And so we just need to shine and we need to speak and we need to love and we need to take our place. And let's get our focuses on the right things and not on the wrong things. And if we can get our focus on the right thing, we'll start to see possibly cool things begin to happen. I mean, why don't we see miracles happening in public by Christians anymore? Because they're not asking for it. They're not trying to get, they're not trying to, they're not in a place where they're needed. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like we're just not living on the edge in the front end. And and I know this seems extreme or whatever, but it's just, there's truth to what we're saying right now. And so I'm excited about it, but yeah. And I think at the end, as I said at the beginning, John chapter 16, that Jesus said, take heart, I've overcome the world. Yeah. So we know who wins and you know Jesus does win at the end. He overcomes all of those opposition. He's already beaten it. It's not like Absolutely. he's already won. Yeah, we stand, as believers, we stand in victory. Yeah. Uh, we just haven't walked through it yet. But man, victory can be extremely, extremely painful. Yeah. To, to achieve yeah. you know you got to go through some stuff so anyways dude yeah i do want to say though just as a clarification as i was getting fired up i guess yeah um don't worry i'm not like looking forward to being martyred or anything <laughs> like that like i'm not I, I'm, I hope that i live a long and prosperous life and god yeah. wills it i'm not you know i don't want to die uh, a couple weeks shy of turning 29. Yeah. And, uh, you want to get married too, right? Yeah, I want to get married, have a bunch of kids. Find a wife, yeah. Yeah, all that stuff. So I'm not, you know, um, I don't want anyone to think that like all of a sudden, like, look at that guy, he's going to go try to get martyred after my namesake, right? Right, right, yeah, right. The first <laughs> yeah. martyr of all in the church, yeah. yeah. There you so, go. So anyways, yeah. don't. No, we got you, bro. Yeah. I got your back. I got your six. Yeah, and I got enough guns if they try to come, anyways. So. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I'm not... Oh man, that's that's crazy. Yeah, that's cool. 
Yeah, man. Well, this has been a, this has been a good episode. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm I'm glad that we talked about this, and this is a bonus, unscripted, just kind <laughs> of we we were chatting about it a little bit. As you can tell, it's a little bit different than like we normally do. I do want to say, as we're closing up the podcast here, as we're wrapping up, uh, coming up in the future, we have some cool stuff on deck coming up. Um, in particular, I don't know if I want to say this on the air, but I think I'm going to say it on the air. Um, we we have an episode that we've been kicking around. Um, we did that. I did that Instagram listener oh, yeah, thing, yeah. <laughs> and we 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 picked three out of those listeners. People gave us, you know, hey, talk about this, talk about that. So like, our homosexuality and Christians was one of them. Um, the no- denominations was one of them. Yeah, and there's a bunch of other ones. There was other ones, yeah. But the one, the other one that <laughs> that I want to do that mainly because of who who suggested he's a friend of mine, uh, but is Bigfoot. Oh, yeah. And so I think we're going to do a, a podcast on Bigfoot here very soon. And uh, it's just going to be, I, I'm, look, there's a million podcasts on Bigfoot out there. So you could, you could just search Bigfoot and there's like literally 30 or 40 of them you could just start listening to. We're not going to try and do that. We're going to come at it from a different angle. I'm thinking about that angle a little bit. And so I'll, I think it's going to be fun. But anyways, uh, we're going to, we've got that, we got a podcast on Bigfoot coming up sometime down the, down the pike here. Uh, possibly our next one. Um, we've we might miss a week or two during the holidays. We've got some uh, got some you know Christmas falls on a weird and New Year's falls on a weird day. And both our birthdays are that's right, like a week apart. That's right. I forgot. I forgot you were a December birthday. January. You're, oh, you're January. Which yeah. which January second. January second. Okay, yeah. So I'm not going to tell people my birthday. <laughs> so. <laughs> but if you want to, so if you would like to send a present to. Uh, Rosie and me, uh, feel free to send those uh, to us. Um, we we accept Venmo, um, <laughs> PayPal, whatever. Uh, I've got a registry on Amazon. <laughs> the Rosie birthday registry. <laughs> it's, uh, but they don't sell guns on Amazon, so you're screwed. Yeah, that's true. Uh, but maybe ammo? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> so anyway, so g- coming up, we got some cool stuff. And in the new year, so this is a little thing too. We are in the works of having a new studio location. Uh, we're going to move this thing out of our, out of my wonderful basement and into an actual location uh, in the new year. And so that hopefully in the first couple months of the new year, we'll be in a, in, in our new like studio. Like a legit studio. Yeah, legit studio. It'll be It's going to be nice, hopefully. We've been blessed. Yeah, we've been blessed. And so that'll be happening in the new year as well as we've got some, some guests that uh, we're lining up um, throughout the next year. And we're going to plan on continuing doing this podcast throughout uh, the next year, uh, continuing to uh, just, uh, you know, do what we do. And, yeah. and it's been a great time. So uh, we're looking forward to the next couple of weeks and as we, enter, as we close out 2018 and what 2019 holds for us. So we are thankful that you are listening and you have been listening to the All Out War podcast and we will catch you the next time. Thanks for listening to the All Out War podcast today. We hope you enjoyed the episode. If you want to know more, you can visit us on the web at alloutwar.us or you can find us on Twitter at alloutwarcast. Hey, thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you next time.